0: Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you.
1: All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Petrie's 5th next to the Bayfront Highway.
2: Frontier
0: Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new Frontier.
1: PA Contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale.
0: And we're having one of my favorite conversations that we could have, and that is about uh, manufacturing and where it's going and where it's been. And with us here uh, is Jake Rao. Good to see you, Jake. Nice to see you. And we have Jim Rakowski uh, from Industrial Sales and Manufacturing here, and they're both from the Erie Regional
1: Manufacturing Partnership. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Joel. How are you? Great to see long, you. Long time no see seeing and grad like you. <laughs> exactly.
0: And, and... <laughs> hey uh we like to tell origin stories i think we've had jake's before how about yours you grew up here
1: in, in erie didn't you jim i uh, grew up in erie grew up on the uh, west side on connecticut drive i'm an all-time catholic kid olc cathedral prep in gannon i got the trifecta wow. i've got all the crosses under my belt um and i've my, never heard
0: <laughs> it put that way
1: <laughs> there's a few of us yes uh oh. and um Uh, I'm a mechanical engineering grad from Gannon Mm -hmm. and uh, our family business dad started our garage 55 years ago uh, with a garage the size of a Mustang and now today we have 155 employees we do contract machining fabricating and assembly work for original equipment manufacturers. And we have about 140,000 square feet, and like I said, 150 people, and we manufacture product for manufacturers all over the world. Our parts go everywhere from transportation to electrical power, golf and turf, uh, many, many different industries, over 800 different customers in our history. We've made over 40,000 distinct part numbers, and, we're closing in on a half a billion in sales since we started. Amazing,
0: amazing. Let's make that distinction right off the bat. Um, for the most part, in Erie, most of our manufact... Well, let, let me ask you: Are most of our manufacturers job shops versus having their own
2: line of of parts and and of equipment? In in, <clears throat> in general, we are. Our manufacturing sector is is a lot of. Um, component part manufacturers. The difference would be is, are the component parts uh, your own proprietary design and product? Uh, and we do have a number of those, as well as entities that make product for a customer who gives them saying, here's our design, here's our mold, please make it for us. Is
0: that is when you think about the history of manufacturing Erie, has that been a switch from maybe a hundred years ago where maybe we had you know, we had the, the, the modern tool, what was the the guy that made the, the, the vehicle, you know, oh, the, the car that yeah. was the modern, and, well, it, you know.
1: Y- when you go back 100 years, it's a completely different model because it, you don't have the productivity and the tools. You needed people to make it. Um, Erie at one time, what was five? We were number one in the world in five different industries. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Ice, fishing, uh, transportation, uh, what are the other two? I can't remember what the other two, but there were five that we were number one. Yeah,
2: in. and I mean, you have to go back and think like, of course we made locomotives, uh,
1: made sterilizers, right? But you televisions, know, appliances. I mean, and, and it, it, it's, it's been one of those things that manufacturing has kind of changed a little bit because of the productivity piece. I mean, productivity's increased immensely, but what's manufacturing between 13 and 18% of their economy right now? Yeah, it's about 16. So And that's
0: still 60% way, of employment. way higher
2: than the national average, We're
1: right? about 90%
2: higher percentage of workforce, right? Total percentage of your workforce. We're 90% higher than the nation. We're 65% higher than Pennsylvania as far as a percentage of people employed. As far as GDP, that number for Erie County is about 20% of the GDP comes from manufacturing. So when you're gdp percentage is higher than your employment percentage clearly you're a net exporter it means we're importing dollars and exporting goods and look
0: I, I just want to make it clear here that the more manufacturing the higher the wage the live more livable the wage we have not seen that necessarily a service economy has been able to replace the um the efficacy of a of a of a a manufacturer's
2: wage is that an accurate statement jake um it is it's just i mean what i would say is you have to look at the erie economy from the standpoint of what do you export and what do you bring in so we export goods obviously that are manufactured here but we equally export insurance and import those dollars we export education now compared to when we were at Gannon and the majority of kids were from Erie County. Now the percentage is rising every year of external kids. So you export education to a certain extent, we export healthcare because people come in from a much larger population based than just Erie County and we export experiences or tourism, right? Mm. So you bring in those. So I just, that's the way I kind of look at it. So some people might call, uh, you know, a, a hotel, a service business, but, it, it in essence is an exporter of uh, an experience and that brings in dollars. When, when you
0: think about how you've been able to build your portfolio, you and your dad over the years, do you think what do you think, um, what do you think the, the contributing factor, the positive contributing factor has been that relates to Erie as a location or as a workforce or as the advanced manufacturing prowess, if you will?
1: I'd have to go back to my dad. How many places could you start in your garage with your three kids who are still in the business and your dad's 85 years old and still comes to work every day and meets me for a cup of coffee at seven 30, me and my brother. Yeah. Um, and to grow the business one part at a time. I mean, our business didn't grow exponentially. It, it was, it was a, a period of time and investment and equipment and, you know, customers and it's, it still goes back to the basic tenets in life. It's all about relationships and what you can do. And we're a family business, and we try to treat everybody like family, from our customers to our employees. And, you know, you build that reputation with them, and you continue to do it. And, you know, you know, defining moments in our careers, probably my brother and I's, as we went to Gannon, we were lucky enough to go to Gannon. And where could you have gone for $2,000 a year for college? And, you know turn this into something i mean we were, were erie's blessed to have the education piece have the industries that we had and still have and you, you know the ability to to go out and do things and i mean erie was the home of plastics start plastics came from germany to erie that was the other one plastics what, what, yeah.
2: the, the one thing I, where did your dad learn though where did he, he where my, was he employed before he started so, so his... our
1: family got to erie from my grandfather was the iron city beer salesman for Erie, Buffalo, and Cleveland. Nice. He was from Elwood City. He came here. My dad went to school at Tech, which was across the street from Cathedral Prep. And my uncle went to, got out of the service, Korean War, and went to work for Erie Insurance. And my aunt was one of the first stewardesses for United Airlines. Oh, my goodness. So, three different things. My dad was a draftsman. And honestly, my dad, when he got out of school, he had the choice to go to GE. Or Swanson Erie. And Swanson Erie's still in business. My dad's boss, Doug Swanson's 92 years old. He's still going to work every day. Another family business. And they were paying five cents more an hour than GE for draftsmen. So that's wow. how we ended up with our, you know, that's how that all started. And I, I, my dad goes, I could, Dad, we've done a lot of work for GE and Wabtech over the years. They've been, you know, they've well, been and- a great <laughs> supporter of the community. And, you know, people don't realize that those jobs and those things that come out of that are just exponential to the wage.
2: Yeah, the, um, the thing that has changed dramatically is in the, in the the other side of it is is that you have someone on the, if you will, the metal bending side of things. and then you have um, on the other side, you have you know kind of the injection molding, right yeah. And so folks learned the, you know, they took their education and then they started learning in the business model. But then they could do what Jim's dad did and what others did like Joe Preshack and, mm-hmm. and the, the Roaches and other Where, where you, you take you you could go buy a piece of equipment and saying, Hey, I can do some side action here out of home. Yeah. It was th- within th- the all realm. Did these
0: guys get into the tooling part of it? I mean, was yeah. that the essential part of this?
1: Some of it was it was you know, to be honest, it came out of eerie resistor. I mean, the old Erie Resistor was the one where a lot of these guys, Joe Preeshack, Hilbert, a lot of those guys, and that was right around the, the initial plastics and electronics. Yeah, that was the um,
2: that's the grandfather of yeah. the plastics industry was Erie Resistor. But yeah. I, I guess where I'm going yeah. is they could buy a piece of equipment and get mm-hmm. some action, right? Yeah. They right. could supply, because it could be overrun business, and that helped them start. Today, the idea of... Starting a shop in your garage—it's—it's it's virtually impossible the given bar- the
1: price of entry. Okay, the barrier of entry is huge, the—the the barrier of entry all the way around from government to people to equipment to all that stuff—it's huge. I mean, my—you know—I don't think anybody could have done what my dad did today with a port in his garage and go get work <laughs> and sustain a family and what's, what's a Bridgeport? Bridgeport's clear. a milling machine. it's a, so it a manual—it's a, yeah. okay. a manual milling machine, and so. If you, if you picture productivity, when yeah. I got out of school, when I was at Gannon, I worked on a Bridgeport milling machine. It's one spindle, one tool, and one arm, and I would sit there all day long and drill holes in plates oh my for parts gosh. for customers, and then the next phase of manufacturing would be numerical control equipment where the table moved automatically and you could change tools, and it morphed into horizontals and verticals and in our business lights out manufacturing with palletized machines and and things like that and we started you know with welding and now we have robotic welding cells um and and people are afraid of automation but automation leverages your workforce our business wouldn't have grown without the robotics and the automation and everything and and frankly you need it today because unfortunately demographics are not are not good for for anywhere in the country, to be honest. I mean,
0: as far as enough uh, enough demand for these jobs coming in. That, I mean, again, you've been in this business uh, as long as I've been uh, in business, mm-hmm. and this narrative has turned on its ear, Jim. Mm-hmm. If, if you had a if you had a tooling job in 1989, how many applicants would you have for that?
1: Oh, you, you back then, if you had a tooling job, you just put a sign out front, and you'd have fifty or sixty applications. Today you're Facebook advertising, you're on Indeed, you're on this, and maybe you get one. I mean, we just had that job fair. We had a job fair. We had two hundred and fifty jobs and we placed twenty five. So but that's I mean, unfortunately the demographics go back to how many kids were in your family? I know there are three in our family and my mom, my dad and my brother, they each here's brother each had three kids. Yeah this next generation doesn't have.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the the number of people entering the workforce isn't equaling the number that are leaving it. And, you know, that's because you have the boomers starting to retire. And the problem is, is that not only are you losing bodies and volume, you're losing the most skilled, experienced workers when you look at manufacturing. I mean, those people, 67, 68, that are stepping out. There, there is so much institutional knowledge in there. Right. The productivity that they can bring is dramatic compared to someone. But we coming... can't blame them. I mean, no, they they
0: bought their bass boat ten years yeah. ago,
2: and they're still waiting to get out
0: on it. And 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 by the time you get to sixty-seven, maybe it's time to well, to start there,
1: fishing. There, there's no real blame around it. It's just <laughs> reality. I mean, you know, it's I unbelievable. Mean, I mean, but but it is, it is, it's interesting because there are it's just in 2025 there will be 1 million less college students
0: you have the cliff yeah
1: 1 million it's incredible so when you look at that where where do you get the workforce from i mean i I can tell you i don't know what the numbers are i've never done it but i'm imagining that erie's total gdp is higher than it's ever been in its history
2: yep it's um the only thing that would knock it off would be those years that ge really was pumping
1: out you know 900
2: locomotives and that 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 was 20 that was
1: 20 years ago yeah i mean i mean you know and last year to be honest in the (laughs) locomotive world first time in since 1950 not one domestic locomotive new was purchased by any railroad
0: we're gonna hold that thought. I got to take a quick break. We are having a fascinating conversation about manufacturing. All of the narratives that you know about uh, might be turned on its ear today. Stay with us. It's the Joel Natalie Jim Murkowski, Jake Rao. Uh, we're talking Erie Regional Manufacturing Partnership. I want to talk about the origination of the organization because uh, you know we we've had a very you know we have the chamber. We've had various. Uh, uh, uh partnerships that come around but Jim I think there was a felt need what 10 15 years ago to start this the start this focus what prompted you guys to, to start the partnership
1: we, we didn't have um we weren't seeing kids being uh, kids going through the programs and people going through the programs a skilled workforce i mean the schools were maybe the technical school was putting out maybe 50 kids where they used to put out 500. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a big, so it's like, what do you do? So we created the manufacturing partnership for three reasons to create awareness for manufacturing, to create pathways so that we could train our workforce, um, to train our workforce to our needs. And the third thing was to leverage that group to get workforce dollars and dollars to, to do that. And frankly, in the state of Pennsylvania and pretty much every state, it's between 700 million and a billion dollars a year that go into job training.
0: That's incredible. So uh, I, I asked all of the um, the state uh, candidates back in November about workforce, if they were satisfied with the current Pennsylvania workforce infrastructure. I don't think any of them were completely satisfied. And you've seen uh, Governor Shapiro right out of the box Talk about hey, we are going to drop, for example, the the four-year degree requirement from you know thousands of jobs uh, in the Commonwealth government. Uh, you know he's pushing for you know treating trades at the same same level uh, as uh, as university degrees. Again, we all graduate from university. We love our university, but that's not for every kid, and and there's just a lot of folks that have gone through high school, they didn't do the pathway thing, they didn't do the self-discovery, and now they're wondering, how do I get out of this dead-end job?
2: Yeah, there's still a tremendous number. Uh, Jim's heard me tell this story, you know, uh, my daughter graduated from McDowell last year, and I would say, conservatively, 30% of a class of 550 weren't going on to college, because they announced where they were going. Uh, So, you know, that's 150 kids right there. Uh, Erie High, I think, would be in the neighborhood of about 50% of those not going on to college. And I'm not disparaging, I'm just saying, practically speaking, so add it up. And so, you know, there's probably a minimum of 700, you know, to 900 kids that are going through high school coming out and they need to work. And for us, um, from the ERMP standpoint the thing that we see and know firsthand Jim knows it very much firsthand I know it through him and the other members is there's not just jobs there there's a career Uh, meaning there's a pathway for you to move up within the organization there's a pathway for you to get trained and as you get more skills uh, you may have job opportunities in other business. So you could start with one manufacturer and see a dynamic opportunity uh, at another business and decide to go there and work for several years. The last is is that there's, it, can, it can be a pathway for you to inform you about if you are going to go back to school, if you are going to go for training, what do you want to get trained in? Mm-hmm. Um, so you could start in the manufacturing side of things, and all of a sudden say, you know, I'm really kind of interested in this quality control stuff. And then you go back and you work on a two-year degree there, or it could be that you get into the manufacturing, and you know, you weren't really tuned into school, you weren't, you know, it wasn't your thing, but you start manufacturing parts, and you realize you have more of an aptitude for this, and you say, hey, I'm, I'm going to look into some associate's degree in yeah. engineering. And maybe I go and get my engineering degree. Maybe it exposes you to uh, shipping and receiving and logistics, and you look at that. But there's so many different angles. But we know we don't just—it's not a guess. It's there will be jobs in that in the manufacturing sector, not just short term but long term, because the orders are there. The uh, workforce is aging, so there's going to be retirements and the need for people to fill those spots and move up into them. So there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. And, and I just want to go back because there's been so much painted about you know the negativity of manufacturings dying in America i think we're looking at a stretch run here where manufacturing will be stronger than ever in 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 the united states we I mean, were
0: repatriating all these jobs uh,
2: that's the national narrative bring
0: things back from taiwan so we can build chips here for
2: example not, you know no that's that's one variable and the other variable is not every business that jim used to compete against is still around mm. so the volume of competitors right so jim's mm. If somebody says, hey, I'd like you to bid on this this order, uh, in the past he might have had 30 different companies bidding on it, yeah. you know, now he has 15 or less. How many of them were in
0: Mexico, Jim?
1: Oh, it's hard to really say because the globalization piece has changed and the globalization moves all over the place. Mexico in the early 80s was the place to go and then it was China and then it was India now if you're looking at the globalization piece it could be it's going back to mexico Mm -hmm. but you have vietnam you have uh africa it's all over the place globalization's an an interesting play because of the other factors like through covid freight costs of freight things like that just-in-time manufacturing which they say works and and it's becoming more patrician again to say well, if that part I'm buying is coming from India and I'm have a million dollar product and I don't have that $3 part, what's it worth to right. me? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that piece alone. And when does just in time
0: become just in case and it's a lot easier right. to do it in a proximity yeah. effect like an eerie
1: PA? Correct, I mean, that, that's part of it. The other thing is, is with jobs today, every manufacturing job's a million dollar job in less than 20 years. Mm-hmm. There is no, I mean, when you, when you watch the sports thing, Jake's heard me this all the time. I'll sit there and go, you want a million dollar job? Come to work at our plant. Oh They're gosh. there and people, but they, you, you just don't, you just, I think because of the advent of the cell phone and everybody wants something immediate, but you, if you work hard, you go every day, time value of money, and you have to come to work every day. The, the three keys to success are show up, be there, and, and listen to instructions, and produce. And if you do that and you put a full day's work in, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to retire. So, you know, that's what we're looking for. I mean, it's not immediate. You're not going to get immediate gratification sometimes, but, you know, the workforce, the work is there. They're million-dollar, $2 million jobs. Hey, um, some guys that are in computer programming, that's $5 million, $7 million in their lifetime. So, I mean, you know, we're talking here, anybody looking for a job, they can find a job. It's the question is, do they want the job and does the job fit them?
0: We gotta take our bottom of the hour news break. Again, we're talking about manufacturing here in Erie. It's the Erie Regional Manufacturing Partnership here on the Joel Natale Show, live and local here at 105.9 we're talking about manufacturing the erie regional manufacturing partnership we've got jim rakowski he is from industrial sales and manufacturing the chair of the ermp and jake Rao, a vice president with the erie regional chamber growth partnership and the ermp now is with the chamber right jake that's correct so that's super cool i want to talk to you guys i want you both to weigh in on what i see are two significant barriers to folks entering the workforce in manufacturing and, and, and we mentioned this a little bit off air, I think it's parental attitudes and I think there's some school attitudes or the, the structure of how the schools work and, and the stressors that come from testing and so on. Let's start with the schools here. Yep. Uh, is there, is there uh, barriers that are being placed uh, by schools to get the kid to let's say to the vote tech or uh, to that career
2: course or what have you. I don't think that there's barriers um, on that front. I think that one huge gap that we have to uh, kind of narrow or refine maybe and improve is the area of at, at, at a younger age, start to do aptitude testing and align that aptitude testing with where you might be successful and thrive. Um, because I think that there's some there's some tools out there like work keys, which can really zero in, and it doesn't give you the generic like you'd be a good you know barber or right. or right. A bartender, right? Yeah. It it actually looks at what your skill proficiency is and says here's a variety of careers that you could you should investigate. I think that we assume that kids uh, of all ages understand what various jobs are and the the reality is there's no way they can know right right they think that money magically happens you know drops into their parents pockets that pays for a cell phone and the cable bill and well they used know, to for, teach home ec back in the day sure did and you know? uh, just and personal finance and understanding how much money you have to make to to pay for things and so um but in turn If if a kid knows that, hey, I have some aptitudes in these areas and then we're able to put those careers and career experiences like Career Street does Mm -hmm. where they get kids out and they start experiencing a place. But if you experience that place and you know, hey, they do one of the things that the aptitude said that I'm, you know, aptitude test told me that I could be good at that's gonna become a little bit more of a technicolor visit for that kid. Mm -hmm. And they're gonna be more interested in that. So I think that that's an area that's really important because you have to know that from some level of, uh, not only an adult, but from the school or from some sort of testing, what you might be good at and get you thinking that way. And then your eyes start to open up. But if you don't have any true aptitude Mm -hmm. assessment done and, and a deeper one, Uh, there's a tendency to just kind of, you know, hey, figure it out on your own. You could be good at something in this field and it's hospitality. Well, that's kind of narrow. Sure.
0: Let me me push back a little bit because I think there's something to the culture within a school, think about it. You've got, all the adults in that school have have advanced degrees, right? I mean, n- none of them, I would say more than likely, have ever worked at a shop or even know what, what the conditions are you know, in a manufacturing shop. Doesn't that culturally uh, kind of uh, set, set a kid back? I, and, and the other part is the transportation. If you're a kid in the Northwestern School District, that's a heck of a haul. To go to Oliver Road to go to your shop class, you know what I mean? I mean, you just get a big chunk of your day blown out to go, you know, do your automotive or do
2: your do your welding class. It is, uh, but logistically they've figured that piece of it out. I okay. mean, uh, the school districts have bought into that and support it. So that part, I, I think your first part is an intriguing one. It's hard for people to advocate on something that they just don't know. They don't understand and uh, you know and 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 more importantly, because they understand it, are able to identify students where they say, hey, I think you might you might have a pathway here that makes some sense.
0: That's why these immersive experiences that we talked about at Erie together mm-hmm. are important to get the teachers to come to jim's uh, to Jim's shop and see what the deal is, you know.
1: We, it, it, it's pretty hard for the teachers. It's pretty hard for the teachers at times to come to plants. I mean, Career Street does a good job of bringing mm-hmm. the folks in, and they do have their 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 time. But for them to come to our plant and see what they're doing, they really it's an it's an hour tour. They walk yeah. around, they look, they take the kids around, they check their box that they were in industrial sales, but they don't really spend time looking at it. Which which you really I mean the Votech the way it's set up is kind of. When they're in their junior and senior years, pretty, pretty nice model because they go to school for four hours and then four hours they come to industry and they go to work, and for every kid that's there, there's no problem for them to find a job. Yeah, it's just there's not that many kids in the programs. they're not many kids going into it. We've
0: got to fix that chicken and the egg
2: thing. Yeah, now. and from a from a purely educational standpoint, you can go back and look at studies from twenty and thirty years ago, and really, the fundamentals are really do come down to, and this is a bigger issue on the, the, the higher ed or the uh, educational system. It, it really, you have to have just a sound found foundation of communication skills or English mm-hmm. and math skills. And if you have those two, and, and when I say communication skills, the ability to ask questions, the ability to you know identify what is the problem and articulate it in a question. Um, and then the math skills, the ability to to do and understand kind of three-dimensional thinking which sounds real crazy but it really isn't i mean it's basic it's applied mathematics mm-hmm. it's it's just understanding the mechanics of three different you know uh, three-dimensional you know design and once somebody can understand those and so i guess my point being is i think we get away sometimes and we check boxes on on the english and on the math in the same way we check it on you know, history, yeah. and the reality is they're not equal. I mean, mm-hmm. not, not that I don't want kids to learn about history, but I think deep dive, having your fundamentals really solid on the, on the math and the English will open you doors pretty much in any profession. And we have to make sure of that. When you get into the parental attitudes...
0: Hold on a second. I want to introduce, again, you guys, uh, Jim Rakowski, Jake Rao from the Erie Regional Manufacturing uh, Partnership. Let's talk about parental, parental attitudes because, uh, again, the narrative is if, if the, the, probably the worst offender is that 35-year shop worker who says, my kid isn't going to come and get his hands dirty. I'm going to send him to college uh, is that accurate
1: still out there? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It 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 depends on the it depends on the family and the culture and what, the, what they what they what they're really interested in. I mean, like Jake hit it on the head. We're looking for three things out of a person: can they read and understand instruction? Do they have math skills? And can they communicate? Those are the three skills that any job. You need for any job, and there's a fine tool called ONet Online, and you can type in any job you want, and it will give you everything you need: what the what what is needed for the job, what education, the whole hundred yards. But at the end of the day, our school systems are great, but at the at it, I think it's more that we let the kid we. I I, I don't I really wish I knew the answer to this. Well, I, I think
0: well, we we've kind of talked about this at Erie together too, where the. Uh, and not to, not to be league of the pathway thing, but when you think about it, it's so much easier uh, to go to your guidance counselor and there's a, a bunch of posters on the wall of all the emissions counselors that are coming to your school in the next month and you have no uh, parallel, no analog to that in the, in the trades, whether they are in the manufacturing trades or the construction trades. The, you know you don't have dedicated people that are hitting the schools you know
2: once a month. Uh, from, you know, from the machining's union. Yeah, you, you do need that connection because beyond it deepening their understanding, and it's one of the things that, you know, internally we've talked about, how is it that we can consistently get in front of students that are not going to college mm-hmm. and just show them that there's a universe of employers interested in hiring them, right? Because yeah. the consistency of showing up and talking about it the the one of the big challenges you face in manufacturing is it's very hard to ex, to kind of quickly get somebody to digest and understand what somebody does in a particular job. If you said working at a hotel, even if a kid has never been in a hotel, he probably or she probably has an idea what hotels are because yeah. they see it on TV. They see it just as a as a backstop or you know for a storyline. But they see it and they get an idea oh there's a front desk person right there's people who are cleaning the rooms there's a a concierge there's people working in a kitchen there's the manager of the hotel itself Uh, there's maintenance people they see all of that in the course what show are you seeing right i mean at any level in a movie or in a television show in any capacity just being exposed to manufacturing yeah this is what
0: mike rose trying to do is show the dirty job so that there would be just a little visibility there you know
2: yeah we i was having a discussion with someone today and i think you know you can show someone what they're doing on the shop floor Mm -hmm. i think it's kind of more interesting to show that was uh dennis brishak yeah Yeah. that's awesome yeah um but but it's equally i think what you need to do is i think what would be more fascinating to Mm -hmm. kids is have jim bring in a, a a piece of metal as raw material and show all right now we took this and we machined it into this yeah. and then they'd be like well how was that done now you show them how it was done and they understand like oh from raw material into finished good because to me that's really fascinating i mean we. well all- how do you
0: change the parents thoughts and all this I,
2: and again well, i would think we'd be more enlightened in this era well, you know? I, it,
1: it, I i don't i don't the parental influence is not it's it's big but most parents don't understand what goes on in manufacturing. No. Most people that say, Hey, I know what this plant they have no idea. They don't they've never been I mean the biggest misnomer about our plant is industrial sales and manufacturing. They're a distributor. And then people walk in and go, Wow, you do a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean <laughs> so it's education but yeah. I think I think more today there's just so much marketing being thrown at the kids. Mm-hmm. I mean the four universities in Erie County spend $4 million a year in marketing to get students to go to college. And that's just locally. That's just
2: locally. And then if you think about the best marketer by far, it's the military. You can't go a football or, you know, sporting event, NBA game, Major League Baseball game without seeing a very attractive and sexy look to the military and but I'm, they're they're not
0: hitting their numbers either jake i mean i hear it all the time but, well i and you know, i, I, I mean, think
2: i think that that again that can be the parental influence of sure. concern over hey we really can you find something else other than that yet going into the military can be one of the best career starters there is mm-hmm. from the standpoint of discipline skill learning education education then you come out and you are You've gone from an 18-year-old, you know, kid that maybe didn't have direction to discipline and order and work ethic, and now all of a sudden, whatever you're going into, a vet walks in, you are definitely giving that individual a heavy look because you're like, okay, I know that this person... It understands the importance of being on time, working hard, discipline, you know, leadership, you know, hierarchy, et cetera. Jim, would you like to see more McDowell
0: manufacturing type situations where you walk into that place and you, I mean, this is a remarkable, you have the, the robotic welding, you've got the, you've got, I don't even know what those machines, those Hayes machines are, but I mean, they're, they're remarkable and those kids are getting, I mean, they're actually closing deals back there. What, what
1: do I think of the program? I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome what they have. Is it successful to help our manufacturing? No. None of those kids are going coming to manufacturing. We we work really hard to get those kids when they graduate. They're all going to college. Because they want to be Emmys and... Mechanical engineers, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's great. It's great what they're doing. It's great that they're, there's an outlet wow. for some manufacturing stuff. But I, I'm more jazzed off if somebody from the central program, Erie High, or... Um Votech those kids because they want yeah. to come, but there's just how do you get more people in the programs coming out? And how about the these uh
0: again these post graduation yet under underemployed you know these people that quote are in those dead end jobs how do you make this uh it seems to me that eighteen to twenty four year olds could be a nice a nice pool of workers there
1: oh.
2: well i I think in that arena you you're working, at, and I'm not knocking any of these businesses, but let's right. just say you're working at a local convenience store, right? Yeah. Um, and you're you know, you're an hour of the worker, you're making decent wages. What's, what's your pathway? What, what's your pinnacle? Assistant manager, ultimately manager? How many of those opportunities are there? Um, versus being in a manufacturing operation and starting off as an entry-level laborer getting into CNC machinist one, two, three, getting some additional certifications, rising mm-hmm. up within a company, or then saying, hey, I see that so-and-so's hiring and they pay a little bit more, I'm gonna hop and go over to that business and work there. Yeah. So there, there's that's where the career pathway is. Like sure. there's the ability to say, I really like the environment at this place, I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna keep growing and the employers will work with you to do that. Um, but so the, 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 the one thing I will say is that, and I don't know exactly where this fits in the whole equation. Um, and, and I will just contrast Erie to places like Portland, Oregon, or Mm. Austin, Texas, or lots of places in Florida or California, when you go around the country and you, and you meet with people, they don't have one job. Right They have several. and the reason they do is because they aren't about and 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 they're about you gotta make cash because those places cost a lot of money to to live and work, right? Mm-hmm. So in Erie, we've been blessed because the lower cost of housing really makes it a lower cost of living so people can kind of get into, hey, there's a career, you know, you can get mm-hmm. into a career here and support your family and do that. And so to me, I just think, if you have manufacturing skills and experience, you're always going to have a job. You're always going to have right. a way to make money. And it doesn't mean that it comes at the expense of you pursuing whatever dream that is on the side, right? Mm, yeah. You can work second shift, you can work third shift, you can work first shift, whatever it might be. But that you know that gives you income. It gives you the ability to support yourself. And then you can take on a few other things. and And so to me it needs to be thrown into the repertoire of how can you make money and support yourself and your ultimately your family, but do it in a pathway that there's always going to be work. Yeah. And, and that, that to me, people, it, you know, 20 years ago, maybe not so much Yeah, today and the forecast future. Absolutely.
0: We're down to our last couple of minutes with uh, Jake and Jim. I, I want to, I want to. It's, it's a great segue here because one of the knocks against Erie manufacturing has been wages. We've talked about that, Jake and 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 Jim. You've got some folks. I don't know if they're members of the partnership, but uh, but the, they they're stubborn on the wages. Maybe it's because the per piece um, equation doesn't work to raise those uh, entry level wages. A lot of folks uh, take advantage of the new American uh, population, which is a good thing for us, right? But uh, uh, what can you say about Erie wages vis-a-vis, you know other other communities that are heavy in manufacturing?
1: Erie wages stack up anywhere around. I mean, you because of the lack of manufacturing people, our wages, you have to pay those wages. Erie's manufacturing wages are higher pretty much than any industry around. I mean, of course, you'll have some people. their business doesn't support that, but in manufacturing, People just move. When you talked about Mexico, Mexico is like the big chess piece. Everybody moves for 10 cents. That's I can right. go over there and get 10 cents and tomorrow I can go 10 cents and I can go here. So if you have the skills and you want to work in a manufacturing career, you can grow your career and find work and find that those wages. And I can't, if I can't find people, I mean, I've got to pay more in wages.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I would say that the, 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 the majority, if not all, of the members of the Erie Regional Manufacturing Partnership have known that they've got to elevate the wages to retain and attract workers, and they've done that. Uh, but there are manufacturing businesses. I won't you know, paint it. There right. are manufacturing businesses that were built on lower-cost labor over i mean decades ago mm-hmm. and they've just not been able to audit they haven't invested in the automation so now that they can't afford to run their business paying wages and th- what will happen with those businesses is they will find they will have higher and higher turnover they will find it harder and harder to make uh as much money and eventually they probably will sell and that doesn't mean that the business will move out of Erie. it means someone will come in who says This business can make money, but it can't make money employing 140 people. We're gonna automate it and we're gonna run it. We're gonna have 80 employees because we have to pay the best 80, really good wages to keep them here. And then we can be successful and then we can go out and get more business. That's what's going to happen. But anybody who's... uh, Who's on the low end of that totem pole? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have 100 percent turnover, you know. For there, the there's there. a there's
0: a day of reckoning. You're basically saying. i, I I'm, again. I just got a couple more minutes, and and this is an incredible conversation. I want to I want to ask you where uh, where the the members of the partnership are at as far as how many of them are family businesses that could be, um, could be susceptible to somebody sweeping in from out of town. And, you know, there's a there's this thing happening now where you have these aggregators that are coming in, buying these really successful businesses here in Erie and and bundling them to for resale to a large conglomerate. And and we're starting to lose that that local ownership.
1: That's just that's just the natural ebb and flow in life. That's just companies with succession plannings and things like that. Look at look at the Erie Times. That's it's, case one, yeah. Case one. I mean, yeah, there's, that... but there's it's it's if your company is sound and you're happy running your business and you have a good succession plan and people want to say it, it'll stay like that, but it's it's like anything else when you get some owners that have gray hair and there's no succession planning, what's their option? But in the area, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't consider our partnership, that partnership group. There's not that many companies that they they're all in for the long haul. That's why we set that partnership up. It's for the long haul. We're looking for workforce for the long haul.
2: Yeah, they the um, if you're acquired by a entity like uh, like Parker Hannifin bought Lord. Yeah. They're an industrial, you know, holding company. They buy sound companies to buy them, hold them and grow them. And they are equally buying that workforce, right? You think like, oh, well, we'll just aggregate it up and we'll run it into another. Yeah, where are you going to find the workers in Kokomo, Indiana? Right, Cleveland, Cleveland. I mean, the the challenge of workforce is everywhere. So if you have a sound manufacturing group and you acquire them, you want to keep it there. In you know, twenty years ago, mm-hmm. yeah, you would aggregate it up. Um, so, so we- really,
0: the biggest threat to your sector is whether you have enough workers, and and certainly the population thing. It's got to be keeping you up at night, Jim.
1: Workforce, workforce, workforce. It's been keeping us up at night for a long I mean, Jake and I have been around this table for a long time. It's always been workforce. I mean, yes, it's, it's, it's work. You need work to have workforce to do something. But workforce continues to be the number one thing.
2: And, and the one thing I will say, and you, you can probably attest to this firsthand, but we have a lot of employers that can't bid on every job that comes in. It's not like the jobs aren't out there that they could be bidding on. They have to sit there and go realistically: can I can I fulfill this order given my workforce? And in in a number of cases, you know, they're like, I can't even bid on
1: it because yeah. so, I so, couldn't do so, it. See, you don't want...
0: have traveling nurses like the hospital <laughs> does. If we, if we, wanted, <laughs> to, if we wanted to
1: double our business and I wanted to find 150 workers in Erie County, it would be a Herculean task to find the workers. To find the workers. But to you... find the work not really
0: that's a shocking thing so again the demand is there from from your customers we just have to make sure that we have the ability to provide the supply incredible i got to leave it there jake Rao, uh, jim rakowski thank you you so much uh we're gonna have to continue to try the uh, try this level again because so many people have that old mentality jake you know of where where we've been where there were 50 uh, applicants for every gig. It's 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 flipped on its wig here. It is 458 here. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to the Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from talkeerie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher, and get involved by emailing Joel at talkeerie.com.